Triple M footy lives on listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water. Welcome to Triple M's Saturday Scrum. Yes, my favourite part of the week. Three hours just to hang around uh, with some top chaps and talk about rugby league. Those chaps this week, of course, being Ryan Girdler, Brent Reed, and Ben Teo. Uh, good afternoon, man. How are we? Going well, Tone. Good Very to be well, here. Tone. Well, guys, lovely to see your smiling faces. Uh, We've got so much ahead, obviously, heading towards that kickoff, three o'clock, Canberra taking on Newcastle. Should we get a good game of footy? Then it's the Dragons and Manly Daily Cherry Evans 300th game in the NRL. And uh, finally this evening, Penrith and Cronulla just looking back at what has already taken place, the Storm 46, the Eels 16, putting uh, Parramatta in a slightly dodgy place. And it was a Rabbitohs 32 over the Tigers 18. Get to those uh, games in detail. Get to the covering over of the NRL logo and what that means very shortly. Benny, Tia, you've got uh, your team. Is it, is it bye weekend for you? What's happening? Yeah, had an, another bye, so that's two weeks in a row. But uh, just been helping the NRL side prepare this week for the Bulldogs. So they're going up to Bundaberg, which is a really important part of our catchment area, uh, home of Felice Cafusi. So it's going to be a great occasion up there. So... Been helping them out, holding a few pads, getting yeah. in there, doing a little bit of wrestle when they need an I extra man. Yeah. I heard you did three wrestling sessions. Yeah, back to the back. other day. How you feeling? Yeah, a bit sore. Just these little muscles in the neck, right? You yeah. think you still got it, right? yeah. and then you mm. get in there and you realise you don't. No. So you're that guy that you know when they there's a player short. I'm the youngest coach. And you're the youngest coach. You get in and, and fill in. Got to get in there. Yeah, yeah. Just hopefully sometimes I don't end up with Jesse Bromwich or Kafusi because they know what they're doing. Yeah. In so there, they're right? they're the best on the wrestle, are they? Oh, yeah, they're very good. As we know, they come from, from a good they... system down in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me, what's it like in terms of you coaching the, uh, the Queensland Cup side? They talk about systems within clubs so that when you know, somebody is out injured, another one comes in, they know the system and how it works. Yeah. Is there kind of filtering down from you know, Wayne or wherever that there is a, a style that you teach these guys or encourage or you know, work through? Oh, yeah, I think so. You've got to adjust to what type of personnel you got. It depends on your players, but I think the philosophy of how Wayne wants to play and, and the technical parts that Wolfie teaches is definitely important to filter down. We have all the same calls um, so the players can make a seamless transition when they come back to play for me. Wrestling, Gerds, were you very good at it? I was, I was a massive wrestler, Tone. <laughs> yeah. Massive wrestler. A lot of oil yeah, no, involved. I, I waited until the games were over and I did all my wrestling in the night. <laughs> Ray Mysterio <laughs> Jr. <laughs> it's uh, so odd, isn't it, Dave Riccio being in a career where, you know, we talk to people who a part of their job description is just to wrestle, whereas, you know, not for us really, is it? Grown men just... Mm. Sweating on each other. Putting mm. their hands where they <laughs> otherwise wouldn't, maybe. Mm. <laughs> maybe. Potentially. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with it. Uh, anything coming out of the games so far uh, in terms of the judiciary or uh, major injuries? Where are we at? Yeah, look, just as far as th- firstly Thursday night's game, uh, Broncos big winners over the Roosters, 32 points to 10. Yep. Uh, charge sheet, uh, fines only, guys. Pat Carrigan, $1,800 fine for a high tackle on Daniel Tupo. Jared Wilrea Hargraves, um, it's a three grand fine because it is his, it's his third uh, subsequent offence for a high tackle on Payne Hearth. There was a little bit of debate around that one, uh, but it's a three grand fine. He's sweet to play Hargraves with that fine. He can put you up for the Roosters, guys. He's in doubt for next week. Uh, he failed his HIA in the first half. Moving on to last night's games. Uh, firstly, the Rabbitohs, big winners over the Tigers. Well, eventually, big winners over the Tigers. Uh, no real concerns for South Sydney. The, the concerns sit in the West Tigers shed. Sean Bloor uh, suffered uh, mm. 
Uh, HIA didn't uh, come back. He's in some doubt. And Dane Laurie finished with a, a knee injury that's going f- gone for scans as soon as the Tigers get back from Tamworth. And as far as the Melbourne Storm and the Parramatta Reels are concerned, no real um, uh, concerns to speak of. Judiciary charge sheet has come through and there's no uh, suspensions forthcoming. The dispute between the NRL and the Rugby League Players Association continues at pace. Uh, obviously, we've had over the past couple of weeks the boycotting of interviews on game day uh, from the players, and now it's moved up a level where there is some tape that has been plastered, strapping tape plastered across the NRL logo on jerseys. The shorts seem to be free of that. Uh, it, I guess the collateral damage of that as well socks. is that the, <laughs> the socks as well, that... The, that logo has the Telstra symbol on it as well, which mm. is a major sponsor for the game. Uh, that has also been covered. Now, we reached out to uh, the NRL to try to get um, Andrew Abdon. He's, he and Peter Volandis are on their way to Singapore, I understand, Dave Riccio. Do you know what's going on over there? Uh, it's an international rugby league board meeting. Okay. Uh, that, they've been, uh, that was already scheduled for them to attend, of which they've gone. Um, when you say it's uh, continuing at pace, Tone, I... I, I I assume you're talking at snail pace. Um, these, <laughs> the, the the cold war that, that is between the RLPA and the NRL. You mentioned, obviously, it's been that they've taken the next step, the RLPA, as far as covering up the NRL logo is concerned. Um, will it have an impact? I say no. Um, we've seen the media boycott have zero impact. Well, no, wait a minute. Well, it's uh, been a discussion point. Aside from that, there's been no impact on the negotiation table. No. Well, and exactly, that's all that but matters. That, but that's two parties. That oh, I don't understand refusing. why um, the RLPA is so excited that everyone's talking about it. What well, everyone's talking about it, so that's going to get a result. It's, that, that's not moving the needle at all within the so NRL. How, so how do they how do they get a result with the NRL, and why are the NRL not happy to come back to the table? I think the they question, are. I guess I think they are, but not on the basis of a of a of a mediator. Why? Of which and why, already not, done. why not? Why wouldn't why wouldn't that be the way to go with an independent? Because they've already done that before, Gerds, and Who it with? didn't get the result. Brett Clegg. Okay, how long Clegg. ago was that? Early this year. Oh, so, the, so the RLPA and the NRL have already sat in front of an independent yes. industrial yes. relations mediator and couldn't, and the situation yep. couldn't be resolved. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So what goes on here, because we understand that when you say there's been no effect, there has been effect. There's been effect on our show. There's been effect on a whole range of things. Yeah. There's been, you know, people okay. are affected. You know they're, what they're, I was saying. I yeah. was saying from getting a result for, for both parties. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And look, and that's absolutely valid. But, you know, that's what happens a lot in industrial disputes is that it may, mm. you know, people are affected poorly. There are strikes. Yeah. You know, the punters are affected. Uh, if it's a train strike, then, you know, the commuters are affected. Mm. And eventually, you know, perhaps it brings some parties together. That's a, You're right, though. It doesn't seem to be bringing the parties together in any meaningful way whatsoever to the point where uh, you'd imagine that the covering over the logo with the tape isn't the last step. There's already been mm. discussions. We talked before uh, about the Dally M presentation at the end of the year. There's also been discussion about perhaps delaying kickoffs and those sorts of things, which would really peeve broadcasters. Mm. This one popped up yesterday, um, it's, and it's only at a discussion point, uh, from my understanding, uh, within the RLPA, that that is p- a potential next step where the players would stay back inside the dressing room a little bit longer than what the scheduled kickoff is. Like Queensland does at State of Origin. Well, uh, exactly. <laughs> that happens every exactly. game, right? I think, I think the RLPA <laughs> are in talks with Billy Slater on how to do that effectively. <laughs> <laughs> so they have brought a negotiator in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but 
but in all seriousness, that 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 has been floated uh, again. Well, look, whether it has a desired effect, good luck to them. Yeah. You, you sound uh, worn down by it, Dave uh, Ricky. Uh, aren't you? Uh, isn't everybody? Uh, seriously. Well, it hasn't affected me. No. Uh, right. Well, I mean, uh, Dave, I, mean, <laughs> you know I, what? I haven't, you know what? I haven't you, taken this personally. Yeah, I, I think I think that's an interesting point. I, I feel like um, parts of the media are probably getting very frustrated and it seems like it's upsetting a lot of people in the media and some of the stuff I've seen probably looks to me more personal. Right than than anything else, yeah. Watching NRL three sixty the other day, you know, I come I come away from that probably. It didn't sit right with me how how hard they went at Clint Newton. You know, Clint Newton came in the Triple M, and he did face to face with Gordon and with Hoops, and he sat there and and he went toe to toe with them, and he came across pretty well, right? And then. He goes away and a few days pass and then you guys come on and absolutely hammer him. And I think it crossed the line, some of the stuff that was said. I'll be honest with you. you In know, what think, way? Well, well, Hoop says, I think the best thing they could do is take the gaffer tape, wrap it around his mouth so he's not allowed to talk publicly. He said, unfortunately, he swallowed a corporate management handbook a number of years ago, followed by a thesaurus, and then he disappeared up his own ass. Now, I, I don't understand. To me, that seems personal more than what we're talking about here in terms of negotiations. Well, we're spending... There, a- there must be some type of history there because, you know, Clint Newton's a man with a family, right? Clint Newton is a man who's representing players and he's doing his job. He's not just a man out here solo, even though at the moment he seems like it, there's a team behind him mm. supporting him. And he's doing his job to fight for the players and fight for their family and fight for their rights. Not all players. Not all. So that's what I'm saying at the moment. You guys in the media are doing a great job of trying to divide and conquer, right? And make out that they're not on the same page. Well, but all the players sit in a room with to the their delegate. I talk to. Yeah. Well, who are they then? Well, why would I? Why would I embarrass and shame those players because they aren't comfortable with the current path? You ju- you've just told me not to. Ma- the media are making it personal, but now you want me to make it personal. Well, I'm just saying, look, there's delegates, right, that sit in front of the team and say, this is the action we're going to take. Everyone agree? Yeah. Look, there could be players here and there. But as a collective, I think they are supporting Clint Newton. But what I'm saying, getting back to my point, is I feel like this has become more personal than anything else. It's still business, guys. It's still negotiations. These things drag out, right? And I just feel like maybe on the show the other day, it seemed like a pack of hyenas attacking someone. Did, did that, Clint that, say that he would step out of the way and, ste- and step down to get the deal done? Who's that? Did Clint or yes, Pete? Yes, Clint. He did. Clint did say. He, he did, did say that. So what are we yeah. waiting for? What do you think that is the thing that has to happen, that he has to stand so then, down for their... This, so, so what are the, so the, so position, what are the stipulations, well, though? Do we not the want a deal to get done? Yeah, no, no, we do. We do want a deal to get done, I've, absolutely. But are you saying that Clint Newton... Is the stopping board there's that, there's in that, that much animosity between Clinton Newton and Andrew Abdo that both need to step out of the room to get the deal done? So they both need to step down. Absolutely, isn't that why they Peter need Peter an independent mediator? Peter Valandis not say he could fix this in two days. Well, so yeah, he, well, he did. He, he did said that there were two days ago. So who's he want to talk to? The players. I mean, maybe the RLPA don't have the resources the NRL have, Dave, to just bring someone in. They've got a in chair. They've got a chair that hasn't been involved RLPA in the negotiations. Chair. 
And I think, isn't, that the, isn't that the reason that you have an independent media? Hey, you say you hey, take the personalities I, I'm, out of it. I'm not the you one. Sit them in a room. I'm not the one that said Clint admitted he would be happy, happily step down to get a deal done. I didn't say it. He said it. What if they don't have the resources for that though? To find someone else. Well, what if I the said, players? A... What if the people that are paying him say that you know? We don't want you to step down. It hasn't he got to be sort of, you know, more respectful of their wishes as opposed I did, to... Again, good. You'd have to ask opposition. Clint because he said it. All right. So, so <clears throat> the whole idea of somebody stepping aside to get a deal done, mm. you know, he's got to believe that by doing that, that action is going Absolutely. to get the deal that is good for yep. that, that group of people. Yep. Now, it's an odd thing, isn't it? Where, where are we in reality? Where do you think this oh, situation honestly, is? Does it... Oh, I said it from the top. It's gone nowhere. Yeah. And that's fact. It's nothing has changed. There's been a couple of email exchanges uh, between the NRL and the RLPA about what's on the table. We've we've spoken before about where there's some wiggle room. Dot, you know, point number sixty-seven. We can do point seventy-three. Yes, right. There's been that type of dialogue, but no resolution. Nothing. Mm. And the and I was I asked specifically if there's any forecast meetings coming up in the next week, and the answer is no. All right, and when when you say you've spoken to players and and they're disenfranchised mm. or they don't believe the path that is being taken is the well, right path, just, there are players that are just as frustrated. Yes, so with some the, with the, with some, yeah, absolutely some. Yeah, yeah, but majority, I'd say, are behind this. You, you, look, when when they just decided to cover up the badge, right? The first team that had to go out this weekend were the women's team, yep. the Broncos versus the Titans, right? Those girls range in age from about 19 to 23, right? They've got to take the first carry off the kickoff, right? And they were told by sometimes people higher up in their club, do not cover the badge. Courageous as they were, they did, and they went out there and played and they set the tone for this weekend. It's important to those girls too. These, these things that they're fighting for, they're important to the NRLW players. They're important to the NRL players. As much as you can say that they're not connected and some people don't believe it, that NRL players have lost reality, I think they truly believe in what they're fighting for. And Peter Volandis is the guy. I thought he's the deal maker. That's what he does, right? Can't he get it done? Yeah, well, he, hasn't he indicated that he's happy to get it done in two days? Well, he's not getting it done. He's in Singapore. Because at, at a pre-scheduled international board meeting. Well, imagine if Clint went to Singapore. Why imagine he... if Clint Newton was in Singapore. It'd be uproar. Hmm. <laughs> well, he's not running the game, Ben. He's not running the game. It's a little right, bit different. Hey, but he's doing his job, though. He's fighting for the rights of those players. And he said, and he'll come on any show and face the journalists, man the man, face to face. Maybe, he came ma- in there maybe we... and he did his job. Okay, so maybe, maybe he should stop worrying about fronting up the journalists and doing interview after interview and just go get in a room with Peter Volandis and get it done. What are the players, when you speak, when you, you spoke to the players, Dave, that are without obviously naming mm. them, what are they actually upset about? What's their concern? How how has this sort of disrupted their preparation to, to, you know, get out there and get the job done on a weekly basis? Well, a lot of them are finding it embarrassing to cover up the logo. This is a, this is a, this is a, a brand, call it if you want it, uh, that they strive to play for. You know, when we talk about playing first grade rugby league, we talk about playing in the NRL. Mm. Um, um, A lot of them are confused by what they're actually fighting for. They don't understand why it's got this this far and, again, largely, what are we 
What are we doing this for? So, so those then, guys, look, are, look, they're not paying attention in the meetings, and and that's not for everyone. Those meetings, but if you, you know, the RLPA, you've been out, I think, to every club on numerous occasions to deliver that message. Yep. And you can always lead a horse to water. Yeah. But yeah, you know, some people listening. I mean, John Lang used to hold meetings, and God knows <laughs> I didn't listen to him. <laughs> Uh, that's absolutely true. I mean, there's a whole lot of, of players that may not really be across what's going on, but that's not an unusual thing. That's like saying every citizen in this country knows what government is doing. I can only yeah, tell you happen. what the players are telling me. You've asked me a question yeah, yeah. about no, what the yeah, players yeah. are thinking, yeah. and that's the answer. Yeah. They're, 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 a lot of them that I talk to don't understand what they're fighting yep. for. What's the whole hullabaloo about? Why am I covering up the logo now? Like, it, But, I mean, the ones that we work with here on Triple N, the more senior guys that are delegates, they all... You know, it's pretty clear that they understand. Absolutely, and so they you know, should. What they're fighting for. Hey, I'm not against the an RLPA. The Players Association absolutely well, deserve a voice. Yeah. They get a yeah. and they should get a major say on how yeah. the game is run and, and the employment contracts of what mm. of what they're bound by. Oh, um, I love. So then, why is everyone tired of this process? Because it sounds like we all realise that it needs to happen. Well, I, I love the theatre of it. You know, I think at the moment it's probably not the best look for the game, but we're in the headlines. Um, they're going to get to an agreement eventually. But all I could say from myself personally is I find it's become a personal attack there. And at the moment, Clint's just out there on his own because the players aren't talking. So he's getting hammered. And I feel, I feel there you go, there's a Benny. few people there crossing go, the Benny. line at the Put moment. Put some more players up to talk about it. All right. Well, they, <laughs> if they do, we'll strike, mate. <laughs> One in all in. One in all in. Ryan Girdler, uh, Ben Teo. Don't freak out. Tony Squires with you. All right, let's get to some footy uh, that was played. Storm and the Eels, 46-16. The Storm got the job done with some terrific performances from key players there. Uh, the Eels started fine. Uh, they came out with the appropriate uh, coverage of the logo. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Don't stir the pot, Tony. I'm stirring the pot. Yeah, he loves Mate, it. Look at you. No, we've moved on. Okay? Uh, we all left that behind. No, and, as, we, you've done. as we speak, I have gaffer taped Dave Riccio's face. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and his head to the desk. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a radio show. It's more uh, a hostage situation. Yes. Uh, yeah. You didn't have to put the snooker ball yeah. in there, though, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just went for the steed and I thought uh, <laughs> that would be better. Uh, King Gutho oh. came out with a shaven head. I yeah. know it. What was that about? He's getting ready for plugs. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Benny, can you stop making this personal? <laughs> <laughs> he's got a holiday book to Turkey in the off-season. <laughs> uh, they started uh, well, the, the Eels. They got uh, the first uh, four-pointer and they, had that, they brought that physical game that um, Brad Arthur loves but just could not <clears> maintain it against a, 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 a you know, storm side that wanted to come back for in their last performance. Yeah, that they steamrolled them, yeah. boys, didn't they? Like, it's yeah. as far as... <laughs> oh, the, and you know what? The, look, the backdrop to this, what is it the, with the Melbourne Storm and getting up for significant milestone matches? Yeah. So this was a celebration of the 25th anniversary of the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. And yeah. tonight they're, doing a, they're having a gala dinner with all the... The, the legends the of the boys. club and all the old boys. And there were a fair few old boys there last night. <clears throat> and you could just imas- imagine the messaging all week from Craig Bellamy yeah. about, uh, you know, first of all, let's go to the dinner with a smile on our face and uh, mm. um, after a victory. But they do it so well. And, look, I'm not saying it means you're going to win every time, but they certainly play with a lot more impetus. And they steamrolled para. They really yep. did. 
I think that's part of their culture that they've built over a long time is these milestone games and always finding something to get them up. And I, I just think at the moment too, you know, coming off the back of some poor performances, you know, and some of the public comments from Craig Bellamy about how disappointed mm. he was and he'd never seen um, such a low performance. He's, it's like a disappointed father. Mm. Yep. And you always get a good reaction off Melbourne Storm after some of those public comments from him. And, and the two points this time of year are important, boys, but what's more important is momentum and form, yeah, going into the back end of the season. And they know that their best and their worst is probably too far apart at the moment. So they've kind of put origin behind them. Um, got their eyes firmly on the target now. And, yeah, they're just starting to lace up the gloves and they're, they're going to be definitely one of the heavy hitters at the back end of the season after a performance like that. And you can just talk – you spoke about the physicality that they played with, Dave. I mean, it's always an indicator, isn't it, when your dummy half is just the best player on the field for the opening 20 minutes that the damage has been done through the middle because, he, you know, he's scoring tries, he's creating, setting up tries, creating havoc there. Um, and the Eels, without, unfortunately – Campbell Gillard, Lane, um, you know, Dylan Brown, a few key elements missing. Um, they just didn't have the punch to to respond when they needed to. Yeah. Just as far as the storm are concerned, Craig Bellamy said post-match that he now has set his team a target or a goal of showing some consistency in in being ruthless. Yeah. Like, like, okay, that was great. Well done. You yeah. beat Parrot. Now let's go mm. do it again because that's been their problem all year. And to the point where they've given up 12 and 14 point leads, Bellamy uh, mentioned as much last night. So that'll be the next challenge. I understand they play mm. Penrith next week. That's huge. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, and just on Paragurds, like, and, and Benny, like that, the return of Dylan Brown will, uh, will be huge. Like, if they are to be any chance, yeah. any chance, Dylan Brown's influence. Well, he's back. So what have they got? They've got the Dragons, the Broncos, the Roosters, the Panthers, and the Bye. So, you know, they're on 20. So if you, you count that, what are they on 24? So they'll go to 26 with the bye. So they're still three wins away. What are they saying? That cutoff's going to be around 32 mm-hmm. with a good for and against. Yep. The for and against took a little bit of a beating last night. So they're going to have to win three of their last four games. Yep. So the Dragons and the Roosters, they're probably confident, but they're going to have to overcome one of the heavyweights in the Broncos and the Panthers. Yeah. Dave, you mentioned uh, Dylan Brown coming back. Well, we just have a listen to Coach Brad Arthur talking about uh, just, I guess, telling him what needs to happen. It'll be a big in for us. Um, I think you know, one of the things we've missed with Dylan is just his defence. He, he's pretty good defensively. Not pretty good, he's very good defensively. Um, so th- that's obviously the first area that we need to fix up and he'll, he'll be able to help us on that left edge. How is he in terms of like, fitness and things? He's like, flying. Yeah. yeah, he's trained really hard. He's strong and um, he's nice and fit. And, and he knows that he needs to repay his teammates. Repaying his teammates. And I guess that's that, the, the classic thing, isn't it? Because it wasn't an injury on the field. It was in a, his behaviour off-field which caused this long break away from the, the side. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, it's been critical to, to the way Parramatta have fallen away, like with other injuries included. But the way Dylan Brown was playing before his time, uh, his suspension, uh, I thought he was in the, some of the best yeah. uh, form yeah. of his career. Yeah. And, and he's going to feel that as a player, right? Yep. He's, he's sat out there, he's watched his team slide, he'd be sitting in all the meetings and, and watching them go through those losses. And, you know, Parramatta invested heavily in him. They have backed him. They gave him a huge deal. You know, it's almost it's with player options and everything yep. in his favour. Right, he's got to step up now. Right, in these last few games leading in the finals and try and give them a bit of hope. Yeah, 
Speaking of giving a bit of hope, uh, our producer is a Parramatta tragic, let's be honest. Mm. So this question may have come from him. Is it's a Brad, leading question, it, it is a leading question, isn't it? He just like, his, his face is pressed up against the, the studio wall and glass as we speak. <laughs> is Brad Arthur's job on the line in the final five weeks? <laughs> that is oh, so good. He's handled the loss well, hasn't he? <laughs> that, <laughs> that's a paraffin through and through, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he should answer that question. Look, I don't think so. They come off like the grand final yes. last year. Um, they've had a, I, it's I mean, a tough gig, eh? Yes. It's a t- like, they had a really, oh, they had a really tough draw, didn't they? I, you know, at the start of the season, every every second week it, or every week it felt like they will come up against a side in the top four. Mm. Um, and not only and that, they were really coming competitive, up against, right? Sorry, mate. Coming up against a team that was coming off the bye. And that as well. Yes. Yeah. To the yeah, point absolutely. Where, to, to the point where the Eels have gone to the NRL in the last couple of weeks and said, guys, because the, the, the NRL is currently doing next season's draw already. Mm. And the power have gone, hey, oh, you, look, fair enough you may have missed it this season, but don't be missing it next season. Yeah. Where, yep. you know, three and four weeks on a, in that opening month of footy where we're yep. playing teams coming off the bye. And they also were overcome. You know, had to overcome some some personnel changes in key positions with Marnie and and Papali'i and that leaving. And then and they were close, and they actually really competed in in most of those games. And then when you think about their back end of their season, sure they they kind of end with a bye, which is great if you're going to play finals. But you know, three of their last five games are, are the Storm, the Broncos, and the Panthers. So oh, it's tough. been a relentless time for them, and they're holding their gloves up okay. I don't think they're out of it. Just in answer to the question, no, he's safe. He's safe. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Brad Arthur is safe. Thanks he's contracted through until 2025. Um, and, you know, recently that was extended only uh, not not too long ago. So, so who's yeah. doing the draw? As we speak, somebody's doing the draw. They, they, yeah, like, that guy young, in a skivvy in, young s- people in, in Sweden. S- in Sweden with a skivvy watching yeah. Lord, yeah. Lord of the Rings on one channel and doing the uh, – <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Popping it into a system that spits out the – computer-generated yeah. kind of thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then when they spit it out, if Pete doesn't like it, he just pushes the button again and then it just keeps coming <laughs> until <laughs> South play East twice. and you know, yeah. you know how it goes. The Broncos yeah. play the Cowboys twice and Penrith play Parramatta twice, yeah. just coincidentally. And, and Brisbane play every Friday night. Yeah, okay. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio, Ben Tio, Tony Squires with you. Let's send our attention now to the Rabbitohs and the Tigers. 32 points to 18. The Bunnies got the job done. I guess the big story out of that... Uh, is the uh, most intensely watched calf muscle apart from Sam Kerr. Uh, Latrell Mitchells got back out onto the footy field and ran around. Ryan Girdler, uh, mm. worth the wait, really, wasn't it? He looked fit, yeah. the big man, and, and how good is it? Like, sometimes you just forget what a superstar he is. Mm. And the fact that they took this to Tamworth, yeah. you know, your favourite city town, yeah. home of the country music festival where yeah. you get out there yeah, with your press good. buttons. Boots and good, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you love and, your tractor and, more than you love me, my favourite title it. of a country and western song. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and you could just see the connection that he has with the people at the yeah. community level. Yeah. And he just embraces that and he ran out there for the warm-up and I was calling that and and he was just, you know, high-fiving the kids all around the fence and they were there in numbers. There was 11,000 people there and, um, yeah, and look, it, it, in relation to his performance, it was a, it was a good hit-out for him. I think um, defensively Parramatta uh, – sorry, the, the Rabbits – 
needed to be a lot better. And I think he can have a big impact on the way that they defend just with his presence and yep. communication. It's a really important role for a fullback. Yep. They weren't great or clinical by any means. And, and I think, you know, for maybe 30 or 40 minutes of that contest, the Tigers looked the better side. They, in the second half, um, you know, they took their foot off a little bit, the Rabbits. They weren't really connected in the opening part with their attack. And to, to the Tigers' credit, Happy Corusau, and, you know, the, the, he's, the, his deception in the middle of the field, the it was unbelievable, mate. Like, yeah. what a player. Um, and just re-signed with the club. And that's fantastic news for that club. Defensively, the impact he had on the outcome of that game and then also with the football. Like, we, Wade, I called that with Wade Graham last night. They got beat by 18 points, I think, or 16 points, and Wade gave Appy the man of the match. That's how well he played. Wow. Um, and, yeah, there was times there where the Rabbits – um, just needed to go back to getting the fundamentals right. And it was when that they did that, you know, in the middle part of that second half, just through, you know, really a good end of set options, like kicking, getting repeat sets. I think there was seven dropouts yeah. that the Tigers had to go through. Yeah. So they broke them down eventually. And Cam Murray, I think, scored a try that turned the game. So him and, and, and Latrell at the back had his nice moments. Cody was a little bit off last night, but they were just good enough to get it done, but Benny, I would say that um, there's they're gonna they're gonna raise the bar a fair bit before um, they hit finals time because if they don't finish in the top four at the yeah. moment, I don't think they're playing the sort of footy that can win from outside the top four. No, I don't think so. But what a what a difference one man can make and. And as you said, he's still building his performances with a trail, but he's a special guy and he just gives them so much confidence. And, yeah, their defence has improved. It's because, yeah, on the line, he gets in the line and he can whack anyone from fullback through to front row. Right? And But I think what was important about them building those, the building the pressure and forcing those dropouts is, you know, the week before, they just wanted to score. And when Souths think that they can just outscore everyone, that's when they're in trouble. And that's where they're not going to go far in this mm. competition. So getting back to the basics, building pressure, um, fixing up their def defence is so important. Um, can they get in that top four? I'm, I'm not sure about that, but you know, I, they, they need some improvement. I had Alex Johnson in my as my top try scorer at the beginning of the year, and I was worried that early mm. off he was, you know, he started a bit slowly. Boy, he's coming together now, isn't, isn't he? What? Isn't it that so? That was his twelfth uh, career hat trick. Yeah. Uh, now that's just six behind Billy Slater. I understand on, wow. on the all-time list. Wow. Seriously, Alex Johnson yeah. six behind Billy Slater. Yeah. Uh, How long's his deal, Dave? Because will he will Ooh, he end up question. getting? Let me look into that. Irvin, like, what is he? Yeah. He's about what thirty-two away now. Yeah. That's two years' work for Alex Johnston, right? Yeah, it mm. is. Two years' work if Cody Walker hangs around. Yeah. All the stars have really lined up for him. I was there for Alex Johnson's debut. I was okay. there when he was just a young kid that came in and, and slot on the wing. But, you know, he played on that left-hand side and we used to play all our attack that way. Mm. Yeah, we had John Sutton out there ball playing and Greg Inglis was sweeping out the back. Once Greg finished up, all right, in comes Latrell and he loves to sweep that way as well. So he's sort of been off the back of some really good players. Not saying he hasn't done it himself as well, but... He's all the stars have aligned for him to be one of the top try scorers, and obviously as well, Cody Walker. The length of the, the, mm. what what impresses me most, guys. He's contracted through until twenty twenty five, guys. By the way, um, so he's there. He, he's, it's right, it's right. within touching distance. Wow. But, um, yeah. We see how the transformation of the wingers have gone in today's game. Where mm. well, the, you mm. know the old there's a front rower on the wing now. Yeah. You know? And Alex, with greatest of respect, isn't mm. a powerhouse. 
He's 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 a little bit slight. He's super power. He's super powerful as far as leg speed is concerned. But mm-hmm. he he, he you know, he's quick. But he's he's thr- not down the path of uh, Brian Toto. You yeah. know, um, he, that that big style of winger. So uh, credit to him for his longevity through his career. Yep. Um, to be racking yep. up all these well records. Said. Yeah. All right. There was a lot of talk, obviously, when Adam Reynolds left South Sydney and how well he's going in Brisbane. So there's always pressure on Lachlan Ilias uh, in that number seven jersey. Now, there was a bit of, uh, uh, you know, chatter this week. Uh, Dave Rickow, as, as you think you might have been involved in. Yeah, the, well, it, it had been suggested that Lockie was under pressure mm. going into this game on the basis of a quiet game the, the previous week against the Broncos. Um, yeah, well, I, I aired that. It's, you know, it's, it was um, passed on by a, a pretty... Good source, uh, I thought. Uh, look, clearly Jason's shot that down. And we'll, said, we'll have a listen to what Jason, this is what uh, Coach Jason Demetrio had to say. You know, I thought Lockie was outstanding tonight as well. He showed why he's our seven and I'm excited about where he can go as well. How important was that game for Lockie? Because it had been highlighted during the week that he hadn't kicked the ball for whatever reason and lost to the Broncos. How important was it for him to set up a try with some nice touches? Oh, it was really important, but... Our last week, our right edge were defensively outstanding. He didn't concede a point in it when we got beaten by a pretty convincing margin and he had a hand in two of our tries. And you want a point to not kicking the ball, but, you know, he's a, he's a young half. He's getting used to playing without players that he that has around him. But I thought the story around him not playing and if Latrell wasn't fit was ridiculous. I think it's unfounded and untrue. I don't think it's fair on him. Um, I'm, all, I'm all for talking about the kicking stats and talking about the things that are actually happening. But to make a story up, I think it's pretty disappointing from the media side of things. And if you want to know if he's going to play or not, just ring me, I'll tell you. But if you don't hear it from me, then don't make it up because it's not accurate. It's not fair on the kid. There he is, Jason Demetrio, uh, responding to that idea that Lachlan Ilias is, might be under a bit of pressure, his spot in the number seven jersey. What is Lachlan Ilias's trajectory as a, as a player, guys? I'm still not sure on that. I think he's still, like Jason said, he's learning his trade. He's, he's learning where he fits into that side in terms of there's so many personalities and um, guys that are so sharp with their attack. He's just got to get the ball to them and do his job, which is play straight, kick to the corners. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's had some up and down times. But when you really look at their roster, I mean, who else is there? You know, if if he was to be mm. dropped, you know, they've got Dean Hawkins, who's who's playing in reserve grade. They've got a young kid, Jai Gray, coming through. He's not ready yet. So, you know, a lot of these Maybe teams don't Taff. really have many right. options. Who's that? Blake, Blake Taff. Taff. Yeah. Blake Taff, yeah. Well, you know, he's off at the end of the year. So yep. I don't see the point in playing him. Mm. So a lot of these teams don't really have many options to drop players anymore. You look at the Sharks, they dropped a couple of players and almost got to bring them back. All right, if you, the notice there, of course, was uh, James Hooper asking that question at the press conference. If you look closely at the video, he's got some black gaffer tape around his belt. <laughs> just a big roll of it, ready to go. This is the Saturday Scrum. <laughs> Time for this. Welcome to Tony's Spotting Quiz. Where's the gaffer tape when you need it? All right, gentlemen, could you test your buzzers for me, please? There will be your names. Riccio. Tio. Skipper. Excellent. All right. Have you had any other pets that have died recently, Tone? Um, no, no. Skipper was the, the last one Skipper to shuffle the off one. this mortal coil. Skipper, stay with Skipper until Frank goes. Uh, okay. Well, well, if you... Because I've got... Rest you, in peace, Skipper. Yeah. Rest, in, Rest in peace, brother. Skipper, remember, remember the day you came into the studio, yeah. Tone? Yeah, I know. 
And, like, you brought him into a studio. Yeah. Like, in the middle of the CBD in Sydney. He's a smooth fox terrier. He Mate, even... and all he did, and I'm like, I don't, like, I'm not a, you know, I wasn't a big Skipper fan at the time. No, you weren't. Like, I've been, I'm, a, I'm actually a lot more, feel a lot more connected to him now that he's passed, to be honest. I just, his spirit, you've connected yeah. with somehow, have you? But he, you brought him into the studio. I did. And that little bastard just sat on my feet the whole Day. Yeah, he did. He, he, he tended to find the person who liked, liked him least. The to whole sit on day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, anyway. I miss Skipper now. I know. Yeah. does upset me a little bit. He's a smooth fox terrier, ben, Benny. He's a lovely dog. He only drank, you know, martinis, smoked cigars. He was terrific. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, it's, it's World Cup. Everywhere you look, there's a World Cup uh, at the moment. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I thought I'd have a, 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 a specific World Cup quiz with questions that are uh, both stupid and difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specific to a couple of you guys. First, question number one. What World Cup is being played in South Africa as we speak? Oh, the... Um... I can hear Skipper talking, but it hasn't said his name yet. None of you know... Skipper's out. Australia lost to Zimbabwe. Australia didn't lose to Zimbabwe. Australia beat Zimbabwe, and it is netball, oh, the netball uh, competition. The Diamonds won 86-30 over Zimbabwe no, in their of first they game. Zimbabwe. What, are what are you talking about? It's all about Australia. All right, in the year 2000, Rugby League World Cup, Australia beat Russia 110 to 4. How many points did Ryan Girdler score? Ricky Ass. Ricky yeah? 56. It's close. It's close. T-O. It's in fact. Yes, two. No, it's in the middle. 46. 46. Three tries and 17 goals. Do you oh, remember that, Gertz? Tony. Yes, you're <laughs> having an off day. <laughs> How many tries did Ben Teo score in his World Cup debut in 2008? Skipper. Yes, Skipper. Absolutely none. Teo. Yes, Teo. Two. Correct. Mm. Playing for Samoa against France. Two tries. When wow. was. I don't think anybody will get this. When was the first Rugby League World Cup? Mm. Mm. When was the first... Right, Martin Lenahan is coming in shortly. He probably knows that. He knows everything about rugby league. Uh, it was 1954 in France. Uh, Who must the Matildas beat to progress... Ricky Skipper. Yes, Tio. What? Did you say... Oh, sorry, it was you. Sorry, Ricky. To protest. Canada. They must beat Canada indeed on Monday to get through. Oh, this is going down to the wire tone. Yeah, it is. I'm you excited. The tension the, building. The, the, More than even in the first break. I can feel it now. <laughs> <laughs> Vibrations high. I know. Uh, and the FIFA Basketball World Cup tips uh, off in August. Where are the boomers ranked? Oh. Ricky O. Yes, Ricky O. Fourth. Oh, so close. Three. I love this. True or false? There is a hide-and-seek world championship. Skipper. Yes, Skipper. <laughs> it's true. It is true. It's in Italy. Yeah. They're still trying to find the winner from 2010 <laughs> to give him his medal, which is... Sad. <laughs> Sad state of affairs. <laughs> Ever listen to this? Um, this skipper. What, the World Cup theme. What year? Oh, who, yeah, that or, was... Or who is it even? I'll, I'll take Ricky any answer. Martin, Martin. It is Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. La Copa de la Vida, the cup yeah. of life from the 1998 World Cup. Just a couple of hours away now. Kick off Canberra taking on the Knights. You'll hear it right here on Triple M. Uh, as Triple M rocks the footy. And you know what we love more than just talking about rugby league? It's about books about rugby league. I'm holding in my left hand... Uh, 
it's a, it's a coffee table book. It's a perfect coffee table book. It's called Rugby League Icons, and its author, Martin Lenahan, is with us right here, right now. The only problem, Martin, go, welcome, by the way. Thank you, mate. There is an NRL logo on the front of the, bo- logo on the, front of the book. I'll get some tape to cross, get that covered up. <laughs> before have brought it in with me, shouldn't I? <laughs> should have, indeed. Uh, this is a great thing. This is something that fans love, obviously. Great photographs, but great stories about, you know, eras, players, and what they're up to. Yeah, mate, bit of a life's work, it feel like. It's... Uh... I think we wanted to really get to the heart of a lot of the a lot of the clubs there. So the clubs that came in '95, the clubs that were born in the '80s, um, clubs that had a dynasty, the Mighty Dragons, of course, yes. the uh, just eleven in a row. So mm-hmm. a couple of fantastic old photos there. So, mate, great fun to work on. Love talking to the ex players. Always got great stories to tell. The sourcing of the of the pictures because they're absolutely brilliant. How, how did that come about? So I uh, worked at Rugby League Week myself for 22 years, and we had uh, just endless, endless photos. So when the NRL bought Rugby League Week, they owned all those photos. They now live at the NRL uh, in the back of the museum. So I just spend hours in there going through all of those, get them scanned in and off we go and then Getty Images, more sort of current photos. So Can I just, just as a sidebar, say how much I miss Rugby League Week? As a kid, every Thursday I wait for the, it come around in the afternoon and it's up in Newcastle and getting your copy of Rugby League was brilliant. Yeah, mate, look, very lucky I got a job there in 95. Norm Tasker was my boss. I was editor for nine years myself. Um, yeah, great times. Unfortunately, you know, print, as we all know, sort of hit the wall a little bit in 2017. We finished up. So, but yeah, I think 40, over 40 years it went for, which in magazine terms is pretty phenomenal. So great privilege to work there. Hey, Marty, congratulations on the book. It's sensational, mate. That one might even find the way into the boot of my car. Um, <laughs> Talk to me about the process. Just move some bodies over and it'll be yeah, okay. Yeah, you could. <laughs> the, um, talk to me about how the process of pulling this together because, uh, you know, we see a, a beautiful book here that, as, as Tone said, that, that it's a real, you know, that thick style, hard cover, sits on the coffee table and you can just flick through the pages and pick out something new every time. I would think the selection of the photos, which is just sensational, would be bloody hard. It's tough, mate. It's tough. So I've, I've done six books now with R Media, which was the company that was Kerry Packer's company back in the day. So they kind of come up with the ideas. And then the photo choice, as I said, the I reckon there was 30 filing cabinets all full of photos wow. there at the NRL. So I guess once you got the chapter ideas, try and hone it down a little bit. But it's brilliant. So the first book I did was 110 Years of Rugby League in, in 2018. And, you know, the photo's phenomenal. So you try not to double up, of course, and give people what they've seen before. But I think the, the product itself, just to see that coffee table book, and it just seems to have really hit home with people that they love to the photos. A little bit of my words in there, but uh, yes. a lot of photos and a lot of work writing captions, which, yeah. is, uh, which is half the battle. Hey, Marty, what about, um, you, you spoke about some of the clubs, but some of those personalities, those coaches, those old mentors, have you got much in your book about those guys and some of the stories or some of the nuances that they brought to the game? Certainly stories from the guys that played under them. So uh, Peter Wynn, we all know Pete, great man. He was sort of, uh, and Mick Cronin as well, talked to me a bit about power in the 80s and just what Jack mm-hmm. Gibson was like and the way that he nurtured those guys. And, you know, Peter Wynn gives a lot of credit to Terry Fernley, who kind of coached them just before Jack, but... Jack got the sweet spot, got that team coming through. But he was obviously just an amazing character, Jack, and the boys, the boys, the men, the way they talk about him just with the greatest respect. So there's some fantastic mm. anecdotes about Jack, what Jack was like. And speaking of Parramatta and Mick Cronin, they, they didn't, did some damage to the grandstand. Yeah, 1981, <laughs> the first premiership. They uh, 
Mick was saying they were back at the Leagues Club having a beer, a lot of fans obviously in there, and someone looked out and saw across at Cumberland Oval, which was the home ground that had been decommissioned. So, mate, few beers on board, few of the fans over there decided to, I think they tore the grandstand down and started a bonfire. Mick just looked out the window and someone said, geez, what's going on over there? So, uh, <laughs> I don't know whether they went over and uh, joined the party, but... Uh, Yes, it was phenomenal. They just decided if the ground was going to be uh, knocked down anyway, they'd just help, help the council along, yeah. start out on the uh, Sunday night. Martin, it's a, good, it's a really <laughs> lovely touch. I see you've gone also into a little bit of the history of the clubs that aren't with us anymore. Yes. And so for Bears fans, Jets fans, uh, Balmain, original Balmain Tigers fans, there's something in there for them as well. Absolutely, mate. So Norse is very close to my heart. I sort of grew up around that area. I'm, I'm a Saints fan like Tony. I'll, uh, I'll put that out there, but always Norse, the second team, I guess like a lot of people. So Greg Florimo, fantastic bloke, still involved with the club. You can just see in there his passion for Norse, what they still try and instill in these guys who still wear that famous jersey. And amazingly, I think their merch and stuff like that and Newtown, the days at Henson yeah. Park are still going strong. And so, look, we probably won't see these teams ever back in the NRL, but they've just got such a, I think, a rich history. Yeah. And the way Flo talked about Norse and all those uh, preliminary finals they made in the 90s and how mm-hmm. close they got and how he still thinks about that. So, yeah, Norse and Newtown, I think, a lot, lot of stuff about Tommy, of course, the great Tommy in there. Yeah. So two fantastic clubs and nice. I went to Henson myself about a month ago, just a, a great day out still. Yeah. yeah. Father's Day coming up too, Marty. Great timing oh, to launch. Mate, I'd be disappointed if uh, I don't hear from a lot of fathers in a few weeks who've got one of these uh, mm, yep. in the morning. As you, the Dragons fan, uh, I mean, we talk about Larry Wright's great book, Never Before, Never Again, about that uh, that string of 11 consecutive premierships, which will never uh, happen again. It's nice. You've represented basically by a photograph from the first the, of the first team and then of that the team that won in, what, 56, 50, whatever it was. Yeah, so 56 and 66, 66 the two photos. Yeah. I've got to say thanks to the club for supplying those. They're just beautiful old, yeah. old photos. They used to take at the SCG there and you just love looking back at those old premiership photos and I guess just looking at the size of blokes and the way the way that players have evolved. But they're just beautiful photos, those premiership ones. And speaking of Norse, there's even a, a premiership shot from there when they had the two wins, 21 and 22, I think. So, um, <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit of an old Bears premiership photo there. Yep. Well, I love the picture of, from the Sharks. Did you have a connection there? Yeah, well, growing up down in the Shire, like the, when the Sharks won the 2016 premiership, the, the joint went nuts, Yeah, right? And one of my close mates, is he's, he's actually in... in Martin's book, he's wearing a homemade porch light on his head, right? And so what, well, you know, obviously the the joke there was that, you know, the sh- you turn off the porch lights, you yeah. know, when the sharks went a comp. Right. So he made a, a homemade porch light, um, shout out to Tubby, and it's it's in the book. It's a cracking photo. But yeah. That, 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 I mean, there's so many other photos of the, of what the sharks moment there because it was there. Well, they're obviously their first in 50 years. Yeah, 50 years. I think it was Jack Gibson came up with the line about uh, waiting for Cronulla to win a premiership was waiting for Harold. Harold Holt. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was so clever, those blokes that night at Shark Park. And it, it really did become, I think, for Cronulla fans, I guess they were a bit of a butt of jokes for many years. Mm-hmm. They never quite could get across the line. Phenomenal grand final. Like I think we had through the Broncos Cowboys was amazing. Then we got Cronulla the yep. year after, just two probably of the best grand finals ever. And it was the... Mate, the absolute joy of those Cronulla fans, that's what footy's all about, yep, yep. to see those people that night. Great game, and they, in those last couple of minutes, would have been panicking that it was all going to yep. get taken off them. The feeders try, one of the all-time great <laughs> grand final tries, and just quick spoke to Graham Hughes as well for this book and talk about great grand final tries, was obviously the uh, 
the famous Greg Brentnell kick over for Steve Gear and, yes. and Graham basically went through that try in every moment of the move. He went across the field and the beauty of these things is now you can see all these replays. Yeah. So he goes across and he finds his brother, then probably another one of his brothers and then probably a Mortimer. <laughs> but it finished with that kick and chase. Phenomenal Absolutely try. Brilliant. All right, Martin Lenahan, you... you... Still love the game as much as when you started watching it? Oh, more, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as I said, those years at Rugby League Week were phenomenal. Uh, we finished in 2017, and I work at the NRL now on the website. So it's just, mate, we still love the game. Great game. Uh, try and get out to it as much as I can. So and any chance I get to do a, a book like this and talk to these players, I think it just reminds you how good it is. Absolutely brilliant. Rugby League Icons is the name of the book. You can get it uh, at leading bookstores nationwide from Monday, August 1, as well as online at www.armedia, that's A-R-E, mediabooks.com.au. Martin Lenahan, lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for dropping in. Thanks for having me, boys. Triple M rocking the footy. All right, let's get to uh, the Broncos and the Roosters. 32 points to 10. Brisbane got the job done. Uh, high, flying quite high at the top there. Obviously, the Panthers have a game uh, later on today as well. What do we make of what they look like, the the Brisbane Broncos? Ben Teo, you view them at close mm. range. Impressed? They're just sitting in a perfect spot at the moment, aren't they? They've got some young players that have been through some tough times and, and last year they faded away. And I think everyone around has been sort of waiting for them to fall off again, but they just won't. And they just keep turning up and turning up and proving people wrong. And, I mean, for me, they're the favourites right now. You know, I still think you know, Penrith are a dangerous side. They've got so much experience in those big games but something tells me there's a, something special about this Broncos group. Sorry, Benny. The Broncos are the favourites to win the premiership, in your view? I think so. Wow. I think so. That's big. I, I, I just think, I think at the moment, with the athletes that they've got, with Adam Reynolds, with Reese Walsh, they've got all the ingredients to really upset some teams in the finals. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that... It'd be interesting to see when Penrith get to the finals whether they can go on with it because not many sides have done that, have they? So they could get tired, but I think Brisbane have got a lot of momentum behind them at the moment. If and there, also, if there, sorry. sorry, if there was to be a Broncos Achilles heel, like if, a little weakness, where what are you saying? You you just can't find one at this point. I can't really find one. It, it used to be sort of the fullback position. You got Reese Walsh. You got mm. a big winger in Cobbo. Yeah, you've got Corey Oates still to come back. Two great centres and Herbie Farnworth, who I think is one of the best centres in the game. Katoni yeah. Staggs, man, Reynolds. Like, I mean, when you yeah. put that starting 13 together, it's incredible. Yeah, the only weakness I thought they might have had at the start of the season was in the nine role. And and I just thought um, Billy was, ex- was exceptional the other night. Mm. Like, and... and you know, you need to remember he's only transitioned out of being a, a five eighth for the last couple of years, and the nuances and that that you need to play in and around dummy half to take full advantage of the momentum that that big pack are creating. I think he's really starting to understand that as part of his game. Like he was dominant. I think he had like five or six runs early. Like as soon as, and you saw it with um, when we spoke about it before. Uh, with a really good dummy halves, Harry Grant, Nappy Coruscant, the other night, as soon as momentum switches back to their side, they become the most dominant player on the field. Yeah. And you could just see that early in that contest the other night. Like, the, the Roosters, they were up for it, and we'll probably have a conversation about them in a little while as well. Yep. But the Broncos were dominant, and the fact that Billy was getting out from dummy half, like Reese Walsh, they had players not at their best the other night, 
And that just shows, you know, what a talented roster they are because they can have, you know, some of the best players in the league having an off night and still yeah. be a, a really good competitive Roosters side by 30 points. Yeah. And I just thought at the start of the year, Billy might have been, that nine role might have been an issue for him. I don't, I don't think that anymore. They're quick, aren't they, Brisbane? They've got so much pace in, in their back line. I see that kick through from Walsh with Ezra Mann fly mm. through for that try mm. under the post. Absolutely awesome. Just athletes everywhere, yeah. isn't it? And, yeah. and the one, the man that's dangerous, right, is, is Reese Walsh. I mean, he's got every team in the comp nervous because mm. when he gets out the back of those shapes, right, he can hurt you in so many ways. Mm. Right, He can just burn you, right, but he's got some silky skills too. So at the moment, he's playing with such high confidence. I, I would say there's not a, a, a teamless out there, a roster out there that's as good as Brisbane yeah, right no, now. I agree. When, when you think about who's going to make the grand final, guys, I think... I'm starting to look at the top four sides now, and what one of the biggest factors for me is this home ground advantage. There's still some jostling to be done in that top yeah. four, but it's it's that it's that home ground advantage to win in week one and then only be 80 minutes away from a grand final. So whoever whoever um, plays in week one from that top four, as I said, still some wiggle room to go. The Broncos are going to be playing at potentially Suncorp. Yeah, Warriors. Yeah. The New Warriors Zealand. are going to be potentially playing in New Zealand. The, Storm. the Melbourne, Melbourne Storm are going to be yeah. playing in Melbourne. Yeah, one game in Sydney probably. And, and, it, yeah. and it's only the Panthers of which, mm. you know, look, it's probably not the fortress of which I'm trying to describe here. Mm. But it's still obviously a, a, a tough place to – the Panthers have got an extraordinary record there. But that for me is such That's a epic. huge factor yeah. that the, whoever's going to take on the top four sides are going to a cauldron. Mm. So true, so mm. true. All right, well, let's flip it then. Uh, yeah. The Roosters, uh, the red pen's out, the line being drawn through. Well, I think the concern for the Roosters, boys, is the fact that, you know, when, you, when you're having a bad season and your players are kind of out of form and you're getting beat, you can sort of work on, there's certain things you can work on. You can go back and you work on, you know, some defects in your game, some guys are out of form, trying to bring them back into form, some do some stuff. But then when your season's on the line and you get all those guys to come out and perform at their best and you still get beat by 20 points, there's some work that needs to be done that isn't just on that playing group. It's within the club. Yeah, absolutely. I I still think they're going to have to shake things up. They're going to really shake up the roster. Um, they've, They've shown in the past that they're willing to do it. They're ruthless. They'll figure out a way and go make those signings. They've done it a couple of times. When you think about, you know, the end of uh, 2012, they sh- they shook it up. And then, you know, right Pierce. Before, yeah, Pierce, they shook, and then it got Cronk. Yep. So I just think it's it's probably that time for them to go do that. I think they need something in the halves, even though, as we know, there's not just halves sitting around out there, but they need something. You've got it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to do what Ben's saying yeah. for next season. Unless yep. they can manipulate some type of domino effect within the uh, market, within the, the player market, where you buy a player out early mm. uh, from their deal, yeah, i.e. a player coming off at the end of 2024 uh, and available for 25 will get him next year on a long-term deal, which then creates some type of domino effect at that club and then another club's co- – it, it, it creates this – this movement mm. within the, the open market that no one can see coming. I don't know what that is in this point in time because, to Ben's point, quality halves aren't available for next season. Yeah, yeah that's The Roosters' right. best opportunity is to go mm. for a player that's, that's off contract at the end mm. of 2024. Mm. What's the story with Sam Walker? Well, he remains, he remains sidelined through this, this 
uh, ACL bruising, it's being called. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has sought advice from two separate specialists. Uh, certainly not season over just yet. So, look, he's he's doing his best to get back on the footy field. It's now getting to the point of what's the point for, yeah. for, yeah. for Sam and the Roosters. <clears throat> Well, as a club, they'd be thinking that, but him personally, he'd probably be thinking that too, right? What's the point? When I was fit and, and playing, we weren't playing well. Um, my style wasn't really matching the club and the way that they wanted to play. Now mm. I've got an injury that's, you know, ACL bruising, but mm. yeah, that can turn into something really nasty if you don't get it healed. So for him to maybe shut it down and get ready for next year. Guys, the, 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 look, the, the big question, and I, I was about to say the million-dollar question, it's almost the million-dollar question, is how, how can they get more out of Brandon Smith? Because that's that's going to – you can't have uh, players of that ilk um, and that style of recruit uh, investing so much in him and not getting – what you paid for. Well, they, uh, they, and they've, they've, they've tinkered with it, guys. They've played him yep. off the bench. They've played him at yep. half running 13. They yep. need to find more out of Brandon and get him back to his elite level ability next well, season. Well, I think, Dave, a couple of weeks ago against the Titans, when they won that battle, they won the collision. And I just spoke about the influence the dummy halves can have, the good dummy halves can have, but they can only have it when they've got a little bit of momentum around it. But I've always seen, and because he's been played in the Melbourne system, You've always seen Brandon more often than not on the back of domination. So you've never really seen him play off the back foot a lot. And that's been really interesting to watch this year Mm. because the Roosters, he obviously didn't think that he was going to go to a club that was going to struggle. Yeah. No one thought the Roosters were going to struggle this year. And he probably wasn't really aware of what it was like to continuously play off the back foot behind a pack that was actually getting dominated. So the Roosters, Dave, I reckon the answer to your question might be not only is it a half they need, they need to just, you know, start owning that middle again mm. and that'll just free Brandon up to get out there and, and do what he needs to do. Sure. Nice to be with you. I mentioned a little earlier that uh, the calves that Australia have been watching, uh, Latrell Mitchell's obviously over some time now and the other most important of all is Sam Kerr's. Dave Riccio, what news re the Matilda captain? Yeah, Tone, some big breaking news this one. Uh, Matilda's captain Sam Kerr has been cleared to play on Monday night uh, for the Matildas, obviously, uh, against Canada. Obviously, a must-win game. Uh, Kerr said at training, uh, I'm as good as I can be. I'm ready to go. Um, and she said it was always the plan, always the plan to miss the first two games it's, it, and I'm come back I'm as good as I can be. It's not like I'm 100% I'm Sometimes perfect. that's all you need, Tone. Is it? Well, yeah, we, we sometimes that's all you need. I mean, they've got to roll the dice, right? Yep. Yeah. They can't save it for a, a quarterfinal that they mightn't be in. That is 100% correct. We need her, and we need, in fact, a, a, the entire team to stand up. This is, as you say, crucial, having gone down to Nigeria the other night, uh, Ireland they beat, but... Uh, Canada Canada and Nigeria on four points as we speak. Ireland yet to bother the scorer and the Matildas on three. So it's a simple equation Monday night. They win that game, they are through. So, uh, and as you say, Gerds, they really need her because we're, we're having problems scoring goals. That's, that's a simple equation, isn't it? Oh, well, that's yeah. what she does better than anyone yeah. else in the in The, the, in the amount game, of opportunities right? so, they had in that opening 20 minutes yeah. against Nigeria, you think Kerr gets on the end of maybe one or two or three? Yeah. Like, honestly, she's that good. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll all be uh, glued to the TV screens uh, on Monday evening. The Matildas taking on Canada. Sam Kerr just repeating that news. That calf muscle that has been problematic since the beginning of this World Cup uh, will allow her to run out on Monday evening. 
Dave and I having to sit here and just listen to Gerds and Benny to talk about croissants. What are you in, in your years in France? Was it croissant that your go-to pastry? Absolutely. I mm. just I just brought into the culture whatever everyone else was doing, but it was yeah interesting. Just, yeah, <laughs> just seeing players and, and staff come in the morning, all right? Mm-hmm. Double espresso and some croissants is literally as French as could be. But then everyone would go home, you know, everyone would go home for lunch and disappear for about four hours. <laughs> and then you'd have to come back at 4 p.m. to do a field session. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> they know um, how to spread out the day. That's it. Uh, I, love I got addicted to pretzels, Tone. You know the big pretzels Germany. you get in, in Bavaria, mm-hmm. in Germany? Yeah. I like buttered. It's called a, a bretzen. I, those buttered with a, with a big beer or half a chicken. I mean, my God. <laughs> How could <laughs> no field session after that? This is from the two boys who <laughs> sent, kind us, of session, sent us a picture of uh, them at the Brecky Creek Hotel, yeah. waiting oh, for a tomahawk. Annihilating steaks. Oh, yeah. steaks. Yeah, we had a great discount code there, but that's just Benny started having <laughs> Too much. birthday parties over there, and then all of a sudden, you can't abuse those sort of privileges, mate. You know, I know you've been around long enough. I know. So, yeah, those days are overtained because we're not paying full price. Oh, no, fair enough, of course. Why would you? <laughs> the Panthers, uh, well, everybody's trying to work out who they've got, who they're keeping. Uh, now, what's happening? What's the latest here? I see that Dylan Edwards, he's signed up. He's ready to go. Well, not, not, not completely, not Tone, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can tell you is that Liam Martin has certainly extended yes. his future at the Penrith Panthers. That's a significant retention. Mm-hmm. He's been an absolute weapon. Yep. Uh, on that edge for, for the Panthers. Um, but certainly uh, at the pointy end of negotiations are the Panthers with Dylan Edwards. To your point, you're, you know, you're saying deal done. It's effectively because we know Dylan Edwards isn't leaving. It's just a matter of uh, a club and player coming to an agreement on the on the terms of the contract. There are su- suggestions it could be a long-term deal, um, and I'm expecting to be in around that $900,000 mark. Uh, and Jeezy deserves it because he's he's been he's been play, playing and being paid well under his worth for that, some time. Yeah. Do you, do you see Dave someone coming in uh, unexpected? You know, fullbacks are a pretty um, important um, commodity. Uh, Is he a, a guy that other clubs would like to build their culture and their club around? Good. Look, absolutely. Uh, but in the actual reality reality of it, oh, I don't see Dylan Edwards leaving Penrith. Um, he's it's it's he's he's a he's a man with terrific character and understands what he has, um, what that club has done for him um, and, and his development and he reminds me very much of an old school um, mentality of being a one club man and and I, I firmly believe this deal will 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 achieve that for Dylan Edwards and no doubt no doubt there'd be a stack of clubs interested in him but as I said I think the the, the deal will be of that significance for Dylan that it'll be too hard to say no to and, and accept and and happily stay and fulfil his career at the Panthers. Success okay. brings its rewards justifiably, but, but there's been so much success at Panthers. Is there enough rewards mm. for all of those players who, I mean, Jerome Luai, where does he sit now? Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen the Panthers go through this. This is, this is a byproduct of success and the salary cap era. You win premierships, you lose players. That's the fact mm. of it. You know, kick out, Crichton. Burton, so, um, uh, Capel, Coruscant. sorry, uh, Coruscant. And 
it's only for the fact that the, the the football factory at Penrith has been able to regenerate through their junior development that they've been able to sustain their success while keeping a large majority of their spine. Now, we, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago about the impact of what we all thought the loss of Api Coruscant would do to the Penrith Panthers and, well, they've hardly missed a beat. Um, but in ultimately, you answer your question, Tone, it's, it's going to take Jerome Luai taking less mm. than what he would get on the open market to stay at Penrith. And that comes back to the individual. What do I want to do here? Do, 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 does Jerome Luai want to go and prove to everyone that he's not a one-man band? Well, he, he's got another year next year, is that That's right? That's right, Benny. So if, if he was to win a competition, yeah, this year, let's just say they went three in a row, right? I could sense that it would be time for him to maybe take that money and take that paycheck and get out of there. And, and I think that Penrith would be not, not happy to let him go, but you've got to make these calculated decisions. And I think they've locked up the key parts to why they're successful in their two front rows, Fisher-Harris and Leota, Isaiah Yo, who's that link player, Cleary, who's the most important. Dylan Edwards has got all the effort, and he represents what the Panthers are. Right, and then Martin, who's you know, as you just said, he's a weapon. Right, around that, I reckon that they're looking at their junior base and what's coming through for the 16s, 17, 18s, and they're like, okay, we can replace Crichton. You know, we can replace all these players. It, it leaves Luai though in such an interesting. Uh, Ryan's microphone is off. There you I go. Think. Hello, hello. <laughs> can you get out of the bathroom, please? Yeah, we've lost you. We've yes, lost you. He obviously he's got the masking tape around his mouth. Yes, yes. No, <laughs> We can hear a word he's saying. Am I on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome you're back. on. You're on. What was I saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it actually leaves him in, in quite an interesting situation because, you know, like five eights, where are they? Because, you know, everyone, like quality, really good quality halves, and I mean, you know, half backs are rare, right? Very. But. You know, there's this mentality out there where, you know, coaches and, and, and good organisations would believe they can almost manufacture a 5-8. Yep. Yeah? yeah, you like, can. Um, and so that would limit the amount of clubs that would go in for him because a, a, a club with a really good halfback probably can't afford to have a really good 5-8, right? Yeah, I agree. And then the club that's going to pay big money for a 5-8 probably hasn't got a good halfback. Yeah, and that's what that their main goal would be, right? Because I don't see Jerome Luai putting the seven on his back and playing for the Bulldogs because I think he's too similar to Burton. Yeah, there's some clubs, though, that will, will take that gamble and go big with the, the seven and the six. And look at Parramatta. They've done that. They went mm. big with Dylan Brown, right? Probably bigger than what he deserved at the time. And in that sense, it strips away some of your outside backs and the forwards that you've got. So that doesn't always lead to success. You know, I could see Luai going to a club... Uh, with a great halfback and, you know, someone like Manly, you know, with okay. Daly Cherry Evans, uh, whether Schuster works out at six or not. Mm. Um, but like they got I said, Brooks, I think, yeah, coming, uh, don't they? Yeah, obviously they got what Brooks. About like a, what about a Canberra Raiders with a guy like Jamal Fogarty? How do you think he'd fit into sort of Ricky's culture? Well, that would be perfect, right, in terms of footy because you've got uh, Jack White and Levin, you've got him coming in there, He's he's been from success, Right. You probably look at Ricky Stewart and Jerome Luai, you'd probably mm. think that they're more of an odd couple, but probably when they get in the room together, they might seem yeah. quite similar. Well, he's, he's the kind of guy that, you know, he, he's very polarising and people that play against him don't necessarily like him, but if you look at that group out there, they love it. Yeah. yeah. He's a teammate that guys want to play with. Well, there's a lot of players like that, isn't there? You know, you get Tyson Gambles and, and mm. Jerome, you know, if he's on your team, you love him. Mm. If he's not, 
You hate them. What's going to be interesting, guys? I think we'll have a bit of a uh, maybe a bit of a press pause on the of the massive name halves moving clubs next year. But for twenty twenty five, in the mm. lead up to uh, post November one this year, I think we're going to see some significant headlines in and around player movement in the spine. And when you think when I'm, when when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about yeah, Jerome Luai is available to talk to clubs from November one. Within that group, also mm. off contract at the end of 2024, is Tom Dearden, is ah. is is Tyson Gamble, who Ben just mentioned, Luke Keary, Ezra Mam, uh, Junior Ramon down at the Dragons, Matty Moylan, Anthony Milford. Uh, yeah, there's 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 some players there that can do jobs uh, on the you know that you know the ladder I just mentioned, Milford, mm. that, that, you know at the at the weaker clubs that might might take a punt on, but it's the top tier of Jerome yeah. Luai, Tommy Dearden, yeah. Kiri. Like, they, we could get some real movement. Yeah, and, and you're seeing now, like, with you know, we've added in a new team and, look, there, there's talent out there, but there's not as much as what you think. And if you've got a good halfback or if you've got a good hook or a fullback, yeah, clubs now, they're locking them in there for six, seven, eight years now. Yeah, you just can't take the risk that mm. that you think that there's another one out there. If you got a good one now, you're locking them in. I'm not thinking that Mam and and Dearden actually get the market. Yeah, I'm you not, yeah. Well, not unless their managers push it because the well, Cowboys. Will, there's then. no way. <laughs> there's no way will the Cowboys want that to happen. There's no way the Broncos will either. Well, you have to. But Gerd's history shows big. it happens. Yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to pay big. And managers are smart. They're, they're not mm. doing the deal early. They want to go to market, test the value. So you well, know look, how the look Broncos what we're are seeing with Payne Haas and, yeah. and Tino. Yeah. I, I want to get to the Payne Haas uh, element in a moment, uh, along with uh, DCE. We mentioned his name. Uh, 300 games he will play when he lines up against St. George Illawarra later today. Big names in Manly. Cliff Lyons reckons that Daly Cherry Evans, who plays his 300th NRL game today, can make 400. He thinks he's in that good condition and he's playing great footy. Outstanding. Remarkable, 49th player in history to play 300 games. I, I would agree with that because, yeah. mm. you know, he, he hasn't had, you know, you know, touch wood, he hasn't had a lot of major injuries. Yep. And he's always kept himself quite lean and fit. He's never ballooned up. And, and I think um, the way that he plays the game, I, I definitely think he could get to 400. Interesting. Clippy Lyons says one of the secrets, of course, is as you get older is just not get tackled as much. Uh, just, <laughs> and or I tackle anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you, you play a little bit smarter. He still yeah. gets that team around the footy field, doesn't he? And he's been brilliant in origin for the last, you know, uh, X number of years now. So uh, it's just a remarkable achievement, Gerds. Yeah, he's been... Um, and Manly just, they've struggled, haven't they? Had some really good... Really good days when he first came in. Him and Foz, they won that premiership. I think it was at 11. Yeah. And uh, he was just a kid. He probably thought, of how easy is this? Yeah. And, you know, 13 or 14 years later, um, you know, as Benny said, he, he plays every week. His preparation's on point. Um, he's been through what I like about um, his career mainly is the fact that, you know, how he handles adversity. I think there's a real lesson in that. He's a great leader. Um, you know, he knows where his north is. And regardless of what's going on off the field, he can just get the job done on it. And I have the utmost respect for people like that because it's always difficult when there's lots of noise going on around you to just go out and be able to block it all out and get the job done. And um, he's been doing that for a long time. So congratulations to him. One of the things, boys, that you could probably talk to talk to us about, which I take away from DCE's career, is that so often we see players just 
just lose their way under a certain coach and 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 or, or be unhappy with a certain preseason prep that a new coach brings and oh, he's not my type of coach. Well, DCE's been through a stack of coaches. There's Hasler, Trent Barrett, Anthony Seabold. Uh, he's played under Meninga at rep level. He's played under Billy Slade. He's played under Paul Green at rep level. And at each time, he's shown the elite level qualities and got on with the job in all different scenarios. And for me, that's the greatest testament yeah. you can be as a player to handle different messaging. You know, there's some, honestly, there's some wacky yeah. wacky coaches out there with some whiz-bang <laughs> ideas. Or and, he's had the wackiest, right? Well, that's right. For a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but the thing about him, I also think, yeah, he's very adaptable. But you know, just remember when he signed that long-term deal, you know, everyone was talking about how that all turned bad one day. He, he's been one of the ones that's proven and every year he's stepped up to the mark and mm. he's been worth mm. it, right? Yep. And I, I think one of the other parts of his career, which I've loved the most, is when he fell out of favour at Queensland. Yep. And he just hung in there and he hung in there and then when he got his go back and then he become you know, the captain and such a senior player, so influential. Mm. And it's it's good to see that fight back from a player. Yeah. Mm. And when he came back into the system, they were under the pump. And mm. I think one of the main reasons he came back into the system was because there was a shortage of talent at that time. And it was like, okay, well, we weren't going to bring him back in. We need to bring him back in. Mm. And then he took that team that was for, you know, Queensland had that dominant team for such a long time when they won those eight or nine series that you were part of. Yeah. And then all of a sudden all those guys retired and they found themselves in this little bit of a hole and they give DCE a call and he comes back and rallies the troops and finds a way to win the unwinnable series, essentially. I'm sure he'd love another comp, though, like to really... You know, like yeah. as you said, it's pretty hard for sometimes players to come in so early and he came into such a good team mm. full of so many senior players and he was just a kid and to get that, that win and he probably thought he'd get back there a couple more times. But um, at at the moment, there'd be a lot more work and, to do to get and, there. And Dave, I, I don't think he's the kind of player um, to put the dinner suit on. Because he just is such a running halfback. Mm. And you spoke about the different coaches that have come in. They've never changed his way because I always thought um, he knew who he was as a footy player. Like he never tried to be the guy that, you know, was a game manager or, you know, didn't have those elements to his game. He always liked, liked to play flat and fast. And that yeah. and that's always complimented like the Trebojeviches and the guys on his outside. Now he's got... Big Amoli on on his outside as well, but he's always ripping into the line. He always, you know, putting his body where it needs to go to get the job done. So, yeah, he's a he's been an incredible athlete, and the Manly people absolutely love him. Bob Fulton uh, will always be a legend of the Manly Seagulls, but the legacy uh, contract of what Bozo delivered in 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 stitching up that ten year deal yeah. for Daly Cherry Evans, they got him for unders. At the time, everyone questioned it: Is it going to work out? The ten-year million-dollar deal—it's now unders. Yeah, it, it, mm. it's proven to be. And and mm. that, people of the Gold Coast weren't so happy with no, it. No, that's true. That. No, well, that's <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, it was huge story at the time. Him backflipping on the Titans, and I didn't think that the well, I didn't think the Manly fans would welcome Daly back so quickly as well. It's funny how what winning does. Yeah, absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Daly Cherry Evans. Three hundred games today. He's one of the things he has always been is super smart and always ready to play a game of footy. Let's hope that's not the case this afternoon when he takes on St. George Illawarra. I'm sure, sadly, it will be. Ben Tia, you've got Ryan Girdler. My name is Tony Squires, and this man. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case to love you. This has got it all. 
David Riccio, uh, your mail. All right, let's start. We talked before about this, how Sydney's Jason Demetrio. What's going on with him and his contract there? Yeah, look, I can tell you it's very positive news for South Sydney fans, uh, knowing that stability uh, is on track because Jason Demetrio, their head coach, has extended his contract at the South Sydney Rabbitohs for a further three seasons uh, on top of next season. So it's, it's, you can make a case it's a four-year deal, but it's an extra three years. Now, uh, the Bunnies are just uh, timing their um, announcement of this. Uh, and my mail is that I think they've got a game coming up in Cairns uh, in the next week or two. They'll they go to Perth next week against Cronulla and then potentially up to Cairns. They've got a fair few they games. They travel around. Yeah, maybe they could announce road. it at Gilligan's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> After the game, um, get all the, the fans there. There's a nice synergy that Demetrio uh, spent some time at Cairns uh, in Cairns Rugby League. So I wouldn't be shocked to see an announcement in and around that time, but it's positive news. As a coach, Benny T.O., you, you love that move? Yeah, it's a great move for them. Obviously, he's he's been there for a while now. When he was under Wayne, he built strong relationships with those key players in Latrell and Cody Walker. So I think uh, stability is a, a massive thing as he brings through some of the young players. And, yeah, it's always good for a coach to have that security too for not, not only him and his family, but some of the support staff. You know, I know some of the support staff that he's got and, you know, family's got to make some big moves and change schools and all that type of stuff. So... Sometimes giving the stability to the head coach then brings it into the rest of the organisation for the support staff. All right, what about Connor Watson at the Doggies? Yeah, it's an interesting one, guys, and this um, continues the the Dogs' overhaul of their roster. Uh, Certainly they've met and spoken to Connor Watson, um, who's on the comeback trail from a significant knee injury, Um, and it's all on the premise of of a medical uh, the dogs want uh, Connor to undergo a medical uh, and, and to know that he's going to be sound as far as the signing is concerned. Um, that is underway. We're yet to hear how it's gone, but certainly they're in talks with Connor Watson. That continues this rebuild, as I mentioned. O- already we know that the dogs have signed Jamin Salmon from the Penrith Panthers for next season, and so too Blake Taff, um, also coming over from South Sydney. So... Some interesting signings for uh, – and the other one, of, of course, is Siwa Takiyahu, I expect also to to sign with the Bulldogs. It's certainly a revamp of sorts yeah. at Canterbury. That's an interesting one, isn't it, Dave, that Takiyahu one? I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to buy a guy that's been – had a lot of success and knows what a good system looks like, and it's another thing to bring him back, at, you know, in his early thir- 30s and, and get him to contribute in the way that he did when he was part of that successful yeah. system. yeah. It's tough. Yeah, I, I did it myself. You know, I come back to the NRL at, a, at an older age, around 32, 33, and just the physicality was just too much at, at that age. And, and not not only that, just the ability to be able to back up and train, right? And and when you can't train, right, yep. that, that's the tough part. You talk to any of the any of the guys involved in the successful, the, the, the Penriths or the Melbourne Storms or the Roosters over the last five or six years, and they'll tell you that training is as physical as the game. Yep. And what gives them the edge and why they can maintain the intensity that for 80 minutes on a weekly basis like they do is because of that's how they train. You can't put old guys in there and letting them come back in to train Thursday and Friday and play on Saturday and create the culture mm. and the discipline you need to compete with those top sides. What about, dre- what about dressing room presence, guys? We hear that a lot. And, yeah. and certainly the Bulldogs are void of that, that hard-nosed leader who, who, like it or not, has had success 
um, at his previous club, the Sydney Roosters. And then Needs mate, to train. And, and understandably, that's why the dogs are attracted. They want, uh, they want know-how, they want winning know-how, and they want leadership in the dressing room. Yeah, I think sometimes you can go and get leadership, you know, but I think there's a price that a price limit to that because if he can't give you the output, then it doesn't really matter. You know, look, you know, the Cowboys went and got um, James Tarmel and, and he hasn't been playing a lot. No doubt he's a great addition to the locker room. He's great for the young guys and he's underneath and pushing them every day, but he can't give you that output anymore because he's a bit older. And just looking at some of the guys... The, the names you're rattling off for the Bulldogs, I'm, I'm not sure any of those names are moving the needle for me. Like, I, I don't think, feel any of them bar, you know, Crichton coming in is, is making that team a lot better. Well, they're going to be an interesting watch yeah. when they are actually full strength. Yeah. And, and tomorrow's a great example. Viliami Kickout comes back, guys, for the first time since round four, I'm pretty sure. So, Kickout, um, uh, it'll be interesting. All right, and uh, is Liam Knight about to become one of those players who has two clubs in one year? Well, again, yeah, so what makes tomorrow also interesting is the fact that my mail is that Liam Knight will make his club debut for Canterbury. This was all dependent on guys. Uh, it's an interesting style of recruitment Phil Gould goes undergoes because he, he signs the players and worries about fitting them into the roster later, and that was certainly the case with Liam Knight. There wasn't actually a quota spot for him, so they needed to release a player. That happened through New Brown. New Brown is uh, going to the Newcastle Knights immediately, uh, and that has opened the spot up for Liam Knight. Not only the spot, but also the opportunity to, to come into tomorrow's game from the reserves list. Uh, he will play. And All didn't right. Reynolds just get moved on for Sexton? That's right. That's so right. He's a busy man. Yep. Gus at Gu- the moment. Gus Goulding. Goulding and he's tapping a few blokes on the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, I just wait and wait and wait to hear this sound. make me happy. We could leave it there and I'd be happy as well. Believe it or not. What was the name of that show? Tone again? What was that called? Oh, uh, Greatest American Greatest Hero? Greatest American Hero, yeah. Did he get around in like like spandex? <laughs> Lycra? Did, was he in Lycra? Was he like in a Superman suit? I, I think it was a fairly around? daggy kind yeah, of superhero yeah. suit. Yeah. I can't remember what he was like. But no. Blonde hair, curly like, head yeah. guy? Yeah. I remember him? more from Seinfeld when George Costanza used it as his uh, answering machine on it. Believe it yes. or not, George isn't at home. <laughs> All right. Uh, mm. Believe it or not. And this, this kind of goes against what Benny Teo was saying earlier when we talked about the Broncos game, but it's kind of quoting Gus Gould's theory. Believe it or not, the Broncos can't win the premiership because of their defensive issues. Ryan Girdler? Well, I don't believe it. I think – and I'm just um, – I might be making this up, okay. but I'm just going to go with the vibe. Hey. I think they've probably got the second best defence in the league. Is that Spot true? on. There you go. Um, so is Gus saying that only Penrith can win? <laughs> 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 he wouldn't like to say that. No. So I don't believe it. You don't believe it? All right, Benny? You obviously don't believe it. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no. Yeah. Well, it's pretty simple from Benny. I, I, um, I agree uh, that uh, they can definitely win the comp. Just to Gerd's point, they're second for points, uh, second for least points he conceded, mm-hmm. right behind Penrith. Mm-hmm. They're second behind Penrith for least amount of tries conceded. Um, if they're not key indicators of defence, well, I'm not here. <laughs> okay, 
love that. I don't know what metrics he's using. Yeah. <laughs> Just the vibe. Just it's a vibe thing. He's got a feel for it, doesn't he, Gus? Yeah. All right. Well, well, given we're on, you know, who can win, who can't win. Why don't we go with this one? Believe it or not, and this is a, this is something is mentioned every year, but there's some strong teams down the bottom here. Believe it or not, this year you can win the premiership from any position on the ladder. So forget about having to be in the top four. You can do the job. Ben? I don't believe it, no. I think we, we spoke about it earlier about how pivotal, you know, that top four is and especially one and two getting that home uh, final. I think look, you're going to need two shots at it and I think the winner is going to come from either first place or second. Okay. What do you think, Dave? Uh, no, we spoke about it before, just how significant this top four will be for, for road trips and yeah. the the travelling team. I think it's... Well, I think it'll be the the most the most daunting road trip semi final we've seen in some time because we haven't had the Warriors involved, and I feel as though they'll be pushing for a home semi. Uh, so they they you know, imagine that going to New Zealand in that fortress for a footy club yeah. that has been you know yep. to hell and back over the past eighteen months. They're going to be hanging from the the rafters yep. um, in New Zealand in that first week of the finals if they do indeed get a, a home semi. Mm. Uh, we spoke about that it's so tough to win in Melbourne, so tough to win at the Suncorp Stadium if the Broncos are humming, of which we mm. expect them to be. So that's a, that's a no it's from me. a no from you, okay? Yeah. Ryan Kudler? Yeah, I'm, you, well, you can win it from outside the top four tone, but they won't. So I'm going to go with the boys. Wait a minute, the question says you can win the Premiership from any position on the ladder. I mean, well, I don't, you, I don't you mean can. to be pedantic. You can, but, they, but it'll be <laughs> but a top four team that wins it. I believe again. So you you kind of believe you're a bit agnostic about it. That's what, that's the word. <laughs> Not sure. Agnostic. Just, <laughs> that's a new new segment, maybe for next year. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not. We'll use that in the penultimate <laughs> episode, Tony. Triple M Footy lives on listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water.